The Chinese military steps up its warnings over House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's planned visit to Taiwan, but the U.S. is not backing down. The U.S. space chief is warning against Beijing's heightened aggression in space. He says it poses a threat to the U.S. Federal tax dollars are funneling into universities that host Chinese-backed institutions, and a group of lawmakers are pressing the Pentagon because of it. And the Senate has passed an over $200 billion bill aiming to boost semiconductor manufacturing on U.S. soil. But Senator Marco Rubio says the bill lacks safeguards to protect American research. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. More updates on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's potential visit to Taiwan. The plan is still undetermined. The Chinese Communist Party is trying to raise stakes for the U.S. if Pelosi goes through with her visit to the democratically ruled island, which Beijing claims as its own. In a news conference on Tuesday, a spokesperson for the Chinese Defense Ministry said, quote, if the U.S. side is bent on going its own way, the Chinese military will never sit idly by and will take strong measures. But Washington is not backing down. U.S. officials told the Associated Press that they have little fear that China would attack Nancy Pelosi's plane if she flies to Taiwan. The U.S. military would also increase its movement of forces and assets in the region. Though a pro-Beijing Chinese commentator speculated that Beijing could send fighter jets over the island of Taiwan. Hu Xijing is the former editor of the Global Times, a state-backed newspaper known for publishing pro-Beijing content. In an article on Monday, he threatened Chinese military action toward the U.S., writing, quote, if a U.S. aircraft carrier provocatively approaches the island of Taiwan at this time, the PLA will certainly send sufficient military forces to confront it, and shore-based missiles will be aimed at U.S. warships. In the event of a maritime conflict between the U.S. and China, the U.S. carrier fleet would be wiped out. The PLA stands for the People's Liberation Army, the formal name for China's military. Despite the Chinese opposition, a Democratic lawmaker said Pelosi should not back down. No, she should not. I respect Speaker Pelosi. I mean, we're not going to let the Chinese Communist Party dictate where the Speaker of the House should go. Uh, Taiwan is an economic partner with us. That doesn't mean that her going there is somehow not recognizing the one China policy. She should absolutely go. And we need to speak out uh, on human rights issues in China. And we need to speak out about the trade deficit in China. So I fully support her going. Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen has already welcomed a number of foreign delegations to the island, seeing it as a way to counter China's diplomatic isolation. Passing sweeping legislation today, bipartisan senators vow to boost U.S. chip production and outpace China. But some lawmakers say there are critical errors in the bill that could subject the U.S. to Beijing's espionage. And it is Iris Tao has more. The yeas are 64, the nays are 33, and the motion to concur with an amendment is agreed to. With broad bipartisan support, the Senate on Wednesday finally greenlighting a long-awaited semiconductor bill. But this is one of the most significant long-term thinking bills we've passed in a very long time. Now known as the Chips and Science Act, the $52 billion bill aims to address a chip shortage in the U.S. and reduce reliance on China. This is a bad day for President Xi and the Chinese Communist Party. 
and a group of bipartisan senators calling today's move a big step toward recognizing CCP threats. The slumbering giant that is America has finally awakened to the challenge that we face from the People's Republic of China, their aggressive posture in the region, and the potential they would have of cutting off our access to advanced semiconductors. But others say the bill is still too weak on China. In a Wednesday statement, Republican Senator Marco Rubio calls out Senate Democrats for blocking his amendments seeking to counter Beijing's espionage and intellectual theft. He writes, quote, no one should be surprised when we hear stories of Beijing stealing U.S. technology funded by this bill or companies producing more chips in China even as they receive money from the taxpayers. And Senator Maria Kentwell responds by telling NTD that this bill focuses on innovation while other actions are still being discussed. So we're very confident in this, very, in this first step. Uh, the conference could include other language. And after passing in the Senate, the legislation is now moving to the House, where Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said it does have the support for passing. And other key lawmakers have also said they could send the bill to Biden's desk by the end of this week. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. China's growing space development is a threat to America. That's according to U.S. Space Force General John Raymond. Why is it a concern? NTD's Chenny Wu has the story. The competition between the U.S. and China is extending beyond the Earth into outer space. At the Aspen Security Forum last week, U.S. Chief of Space Operations General John Raymond called Beijing's increasing capability in outer space a threat to the U.S. Uh, the first thing that they're doing is they're building space capabilities for their own use. So just like we've enjoyed space capabilities that we've been able to integrate, uh, China has built uh, a space program to do the same thing. Uh, that provides them advantage and that provides risk to our forces. Space is a critical domain for competition between world powers. That's because virtually all of the world's most vital systems, from GPS to missile defense to international banking verification, are space-based. And Raymond says that space is getting more congested and contested. Both China and Russia see space as a must for winning modern wars. U.S. intelligence says they've been working to undercut U.S. space development. Beijing has been catching up fast, now to the point that its space capabilities are almost on par with Washington's. China has gone from zero to 60 very quickly, uh, and they are clearly uh, our pacing challenge. Raymond says China is working to develop technologies that could seize the military, civil or commercial advantage. That's as outer space plays a bigger and bigger role on the world stage. Asked if he sees China is acting more aggressively in space. I would say on the conflict side or war side, it's just war. And some people, some nations might choose to fight war on the air, in the land, in the sea now in space. And so I don't think there's a, a set game plan that says they're going to start here and do this and do this, but it's clearly a domain that could provide them advantage as well. Another challenge is that since space exploration and technology is relatively new, what nations can or cannot do isn't fully established. Uh, we are really working hard to um, kind of the rules-based order, if you will, in space. And today, one of the challenges is there are no rules, or very few rules. It's the wild, wild west. 
For one, Raymond brought up the issue of space debris. He said in 2007, China conducted a missile test that blew up a satellite, turning it into around 3,000 pieces of debris. The U.S. and its allies have refrained from those kinds of tests, since the long-lasting debris could damage other satellites and be a danger to astronauts. To that end, Raymond said that establishing rules of the road for the international community is vital to securing space, and that if there's an international framework, China's hostile actions in space could be measured and recorded. Chen Wu, NTD News. The U.S. is warning that Beijing's aggression in the South China Sea will sooner or later trigger major incidents. Officials point out the sharp increase of Chinese military-related accidents in the area just this year. Let's take a closer look. The U.S. is accusing the Chinese regime of increased provocations and irresponsible behavior in the South China Sea, saying it's only a matter of time before a major incident happens as a result. Eli Ratner, Assistant Secretary of Defense for Indo-Pacific Security Affairs, made the comment Tuesday. That's during an event held by the Center for Strategic and International Studies. He said Beijing is systematically testing the limits of our collective resolve. Referring to China's armed forces, Ratner added that Beijing's behavior represents the most significant threat to peace in the region. An official with the U.S. National Security Council reiterated Washington's stance. I would just tell you that, again, nothing's changed about our one China policy, and nothing's changed about the fact that we're going to continue to fly, sail, and operate where international law and international waters permit us to do that. The comments came ahead of an anticipated call between President Biden and Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping this week. The dialogue is expected to focus on preventing escalation in the region's strategic rivalry, particularly over Taiwan. Chinese troops are on their way to Moscow for Russia's August International Army Games. Chinese state broadcaster CCTV reports the Chinese delegation includes personnel, military tanks and other vehicles. The forces recently started their train ride from Inner Mongolia, heading toward Russia's Far East. The Russian event has a nickname, the War Olympics. Started in 2015, the Games are led by Russia's Defense Ministry. This year's event is expected to attract almost 40 countries and regions across the world, including Russia, Iran, India, Venezuela and China. Venezuela will host the sniper competition, which will mark the first time the Russian-led exercises are staged in the Western Hemisphere. Washington-based think tank, the Center for a Secure Free Society, released a report saying the decision is for China, Russia, Iran and Venezuela to, quote, pre-position forward deployed military assets in Latin America and the Caribbean. And also for the first time, two African countries will participate in the August Games. China has been regularly taking part in the Games since the event's debut. The country will also host three competitions this year as part of it, including a frigate race. China and Russia have intensified joint military exercises since 2005, especially in the last few years. That's including drills by the Air Force and Navy. Japan is warning about escalating national security threats in its annual defense white paper. Those threats include repercussions from Russia's war with Ukraine, Beijing's intimidation of Taiwan and vulnerable technology supply chains. 
This year's defense white paper explains the security challenges facing our country, including Russia's invasion of Ukraine and strategic competition, particularly between the United States and China. In addition, with regards to Taiwan, China has indicated that it will not hesitate in resorting to armed negotiations for its unification, and tensions in the region are rising. Japan's defense minister added that the defense report also provides solid reassurance about the Japan-U.S. alliance, as well as plans for cooperation with other countries to create a more secure environment in the region. The report comes out as the Japanese government prepares its defense budget request for next month. That document will aim to generate public support for an unprecedented hike in military funding. Japan's ruling party is looking to double defense spending to 2% of its GDP over the coming years. That would total over $70 billion. Beijing accused the report of, quote, exaggerating the so-called China threat and interfering with the Taiwan issue, something Beijing labels as China's internal affairs. Coming up, are federal tax dollars being funneled into universities that host programs pushing Chinese censorship? Over 50 lawmakers are pressing the head of the Pentagon over that question. Plus, we speak to a group of activists on a cross-country road tour as they call for an end to the Chinese Communist Party. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A group of lawmakers are probing why federal funds are going to U.S. universities hosting Confucius Institutes. The Chinese culture and language centers are funded by Beijing and partner with universities in the West. But critics say Confucius Institutes promote Beijing-style censorship on U.S. campuses. Here's more. Republican Congressman Jim Banks and 56 of his GOP colleagues sent a letter to Department of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin asking for an explanation. The letter states that the DOD has awarded funding to universities that also host Beijing-funded Confucius Institutes. These institutes have served as China's overseas propaganda setup. Though many Confucius Institutes have been rebranded under a different name, they continue to function similarly. The GOP lawmakers noted that federal grants are banned from going to any academic institution that hosts a Confucius Institute. The lawmakers provided Austin a list of questions over the rebranded Confucius Institutes, setting a deadline of August 15th. A Taiwanese diplomat visits Lithuania. During the trip, both parties expressed a wish to build friendship and strengthen cooperation. Here's more. Taiwan wants to ensure that investment and trade agreements made with Lithuania take effect. The island's parliament speaker made that statement last week during a visit to Vilnius, Lithuania's capital. Basically, the Taiwan parliament will push for the executive branch of the government to implement the investments in trade initiatives signed earlier. We are here to understand the situation further. If there are any hiccups on the execution front, as the Congress, we can go back to facilitate and coordinate. Both countries signed memorandums of understanding last October, and Lithuania allowed Taiwan to open a representation office in Vilnius. 
The self-governing island and the Baltic nation agreed last July that the Vilnius office would bear the name Taiwan rather than Chinese Taipei, a term often used in other countries in order not to anger Beijing. The Chinese communist regime claims the island as its own. It also warned Lithuania, quote, it will have to pay for what it did. Beijing since downgraded diplomatic ties with Vilnius and also blocked Lithuanian cargo from entering the country. Back to the Taiwan parliament speaker's visit, Vice Speaker of the Lithuanian parliament called the meeting genuinely friendly, and both sides expressed the importance of cooperation. The Chinese embassy in Vilnius condemned the visit, but Taiwan officials appeared to pay little mind. The island's parliament speaker responded, saying, quote, they criticize me like they are eating lunch. A Shanghai semiconductor company is reportedly shipping Bitcoin mining chips built with 7 nanometer technology. But concerns are rising over the device's possible military applications. Here's more. A Shanghai-based microchip maker reportedly made a leap in developing its production technology. According to industry analysis from Tech Insights, Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corp, or SMIC, is shipping Bitcoin mining chips built with 7 nanometer technology. That's two generations ahead of its established 14 nanometer technology. Nanometers are used as a measure of a semiconductor's complexity. The smaller the number, the more advanced the chips that can be made. The semiconductors are vital to every defense application from drones to hypersonic missiles. Uh, they're driving the global digital economy, everything from artificial intelligence to wind turbines or electric vehicles or solar panels. The recent development jump by SMIC has largely come as a surprise. The U.S. has curbed unlicensed sales of semiconductor making equipment to China since late 2020. The rule covers machines that can make chips 10 nanometers and smaller. So China's progress is casting doubt on whether Washington's control measures have proven effective. SMIC previously claimed it's been working on more advanced technologies since 2020. But the ability to make 7 nanometer chips despite those heavy sanctions has prompted concerns. In particular, over Beijing's drive to modernize its military. Every single weapons platform that exists in the world today has a brain. And that's the brain is a semiconductor. And the more effective semiconductors that a nation has domestically available, it's going to find their way into defense applications. Uh, absolutely. As for how the Chinese firm gained the ability, Tech Insights suggests that SMIC's 7 nanometer chips may have copied the world's leading semiconductor giant, Taiwan's TSMC. Tech Insights reverse-engineered the SMIC chip as part of its analysis. It reported that initial images suggest it is a close copy of TSMC-7 nanometer process technology. That's strong evidence to back TSMC, which has sued China's SMIC twice for allegedly copying its technology. Turning to Chicago, a 15-vehicle fleet paraded through the city's busiest thoroughfares on Monday afternoon. Their cars had American flags and colorful signs saying end CCP. What is this group and what are they doing? Here's the story. On Monday afternoon, 50 people with the Global Service Center for Quitting the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, drove 15 vehicles through downtown Chicago. They were campaigning for America's support on a petition calling for the end of the CCP. 
Michael Yu, a participant, says the goal is to expose the evilness of the Chinese Communist Party to the American public. Since the CCP took over China, it has killed 80 million Chinese people. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the CCP covered up the outbreak, which led to the deaths of millions of people globally. We need to tell the truth to the American people. Additionally, the CCP has been infiltrating the world, especially in the U.S. Many have been influenced by communist ideology. We hope through this road tour to explain the truth to the American public and help them see through the Chinese Communist Party and help them understand the wickedness of communism and the CCP. That way they can choose righteousness, boycott communism's ideology, and be vigilant about the CCP. Xiang Li, a participant in the road tour, was a victim of the Chinese regime's persecution of Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa. It's a spiritual practice rooted in Buddhist tradition centered on the principles of truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. Li was jailed and tortured in China for almost seven years for practicing Falun Gong. Because good people are persecuted, I think I should help people understand the evilness of the Chinese Communist Party and atheism. I am calling people to see clearly that the CCP does not serve the people, but makes people submit to it. The group started in New York, and Chicago is one stop on a 20-state road tour covering 8,000 miles. The group will head northwest all the way to Seattle, Washington. The NCCP website has almost two and a half million signatures for its petition. Yu urges anyone who wishes to support the initiative to sign the petition at nccp.com. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Chicago. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. The 2022 NTD 8th International Chinese Vocal Competition will be held from September 29th to October 2nd at the Merkin Hall of Kaufman Music Center in New York City. The competition is honored to have specially invited vocalists with the world-renowned Shen Yun Performing Arts to serve on its panel of judges. The gold award is $10,000. For more information, please visit vocal.ntdtv.com.